You're listening to KHOL. This is Jackson Unpacked, our weekly podcast on news, music, and culture in Jackson Hole and the Mountain West. I'm news director Kyle Mackey. This is your final reminder that KHOL is throwing the last outdoor concert of the year on the lawn at the Center for the Arts on Tuesday, August 24th. Join us for local bands Inland Isle and Abby Webster and local brews from High Point Cider and Roadhouse Brewery. That's August 24th, starting at 6 p.m. Hope to see you there. It's also now officially Old Bill's giving season, and we're asking for your support for independent media in Jackson Hole. KHOL is the only nonprofit newsroom in Jackson and the only community radio station in Wyoming, and we can't stay on the air without the financial support of our listeners. Please make a donation today at oldbills.org. Coming up on today's show... What does a legal battle over oil and gas leasing on public lands mean for the Biden administration's proposed moratorium? Even if all leasing stopped right now and never resumed, you would have a decade or more of production more or less where it is now. Plus, we hear from local Latino teenagers about a new summer program that trains them to be camp counselors. They have the opportunity to work, to learn, and to teach. But first... Let's get into the showdown brewing between Jackson Hole Mountain Resort and one of the most iconic outdoor gear brands in the world. The powerhouse retailer Patagonia has confirmed that it will no longer supply its products to Jackson Hole Mountain Resort. The move comes after one of the owners of the resort, Jay Kemmerer, co-hosted a fundraiser that welcomed controversial far-right politicians, including Representative Marjorie Taylor Greene of Georgia, to Jackson earlier this month. To learn more, KHOL's Kyle Mackey spoke to Wildfire reporter Angus Thurmer, who broke the story about Patagonia's decision. Angus Thurmer, thank you so much for joining us today on KHOL. Well, uh, Kyle, thank you for your interest in Wildfire. Absolutely. Well, we all read your article with great interest this week. Can you tell me about your reporting and what you learned about Patagonia and JHMR? Uh, certainly. Uh, Patagonia, after... One of the owners of the Jackson Hole Mountain Resort uh, hosted a, a fundraiser for the uh, House Freedom Fund, which is a very conservative, uh, it funds a very conservative uh, group of House lawmakers in D.C. After Patagonia found out about that through local reporting in the local paper, the company Patagonia decided it would no longer sell its products to Jackson Hole Mountain Resort because uh, Patagonia is an activist company and it likes to put its money where its mouth is and it does not agree with um, all, many, most of the principles of the House Freedom Caucus. So you mentioned Patagonia being an, an activist company and donates a, a proportion of its profits, I believe, to environmental conservation and, and issues like that. But uh, how significant of a move is this for the company? It's a significant move because Jackson Hole Mountain Resort is its largest single customer in Teton County. And so Patagonia took this action with uh, a bit of thought and deliberation. And because it's the largest uh, customer in Teton County, Patagonia looks at this move as being a significant statement. 
You spoke to a representative from Patagonia. What, yes. did, what did she tell you? She told me uh, some of those things, and she also acknowledged a, a long and strong relationship with the workers and the management team at Jackson Hole Mountain Resort, if uh, not with uh, one of the owners, Jay Kemmerer. And she said, it's, a, it's fair to say that Jackson Hole is an important community for us. Um, they have ambassadors who live here, sports ambassadors, and um, they have former employees who work for the Mountain Resort. And of course, Patagonia is known for clothing, active, outdoor athletes, and Jackson Hole Mountain Resort is known for a place where those athletes can uh, come and uh, uh, ski and climb and go into the backcountry and um, do all that sort of stuff. What does this mean for the resort from your reporting, and what has the reaction been? Well, the management is a little bit miffed because it has quite an extensive program of recycling, things like that. It buys its uh, power for lifts and uh, some other stuff from wind generation. And it really has tried to uh, put forward a profile that is uh, sensitive to the environment according to some of the directors who wrote an opinion piece in, again, the local Jackson Hole News and Guide newspaper. So the management says, hey, we didn't do anything wrong, but the one owner is being held to account for his support for that particular uh, group of politicians and the views that they espouse. You may not want to speculate on this as a reporter, but do you anticipate seeing any other companies following suit, any other, you know, further kind of retaliation against the resort um, for the actions of one of the co-owners and hosting that fundraiser for the House Freedom Caucus? I'm not sure anybody else can could make as big of a statement as Patagonia. Uh, you put the name Patagonia and you put the name Jackson Hole Ski Area up there side by side, and that's going to draw a lot of attention. It's hard to really imagine another company that could have that impact, but I have not heard of other uh, businesses uh, following suit. There is some talk among skiers and individuals, well, I'm not going to ski there this year. Um, we'll see if that happens when, it, when the snow falls and it's a big powder day. Uh, but no, I haven't heard of many other companies following suit. Well, Angus Thurmer, thank you so much for your reporting on this and for joining us today at KHOL. You bet, uh, Kyle, and thanks for your interest in Wildfile. You can find a link to Thurmer's article, Patagonia Dumps Jackson Hole Ski Resort After Far Right Fundraiser, on our website, 891khol.org. The U.S. Interior Department announced this month that oil and gas leasing will resume on federal lands. 
It's the latest update in a legal tug of war between the Biden administration and the fossil fuel industry over the president's pause on the federal leasing program, which he enacted almost immediately after taking office. Regardless of who the courts end up siding with, though, many advocates across the West say the entire system of federal energy development is in desperate need of reform. KHOL's Will Walkie reports. Earlier this year, in Montana's Tendoy Mountains near the Idaho border, bighorn sheep were released into the wilderness in an attempt to re-establish a herd that had previously dominated the range. In video captured by the news site Montana Standard, the sheep sprang out of trucks and onto snow-packed fields, sprinting into a new life. But the wilderness those sheep and local outdoorsmen enjoy could face numbered days. The Tendoy Mountains are on a short list of western destinations that face potential fossil fuel development after the recent unpausing of Biden's pause on the federal oil and gas leasing program. And so that's where the rubber really hits the road in the case of oil and gas leasing, these parcels that are leased off for nothing. I mean, less than the cost of a hamburger. Aaron Weiss is deputy director for the Center for Western Priorities, a public lands advocacy group. He says when federal parcels are leased by oil and gas companies, it means they can't be preserved in any other way. In Wyoming, thousands of acres have already been sold for potential future development. Even if all leasing stopped right now and never resumed, you would have a decade or more of production more or less where it is now because of everything that the oil and gas industry has already leased and is already sitting on. So really, it's a question of what happens to these state economies over the next 10, 20 years. But that is a fundamental question anyway because of climate change. President Biden enacted a moratorium on new oil and gas leases on federal lands within the first couple weeks of his administration, citing the need to reform a system that he says gives too much power to fossil fuel companies. But in the months since that decision, local politicians such as Wyoming Governor Mark Gordon and both of the Cowboy State Senators have been extremely critical of the moratorium. I want to make clear that leasing ban is having an impact on the economy and is doing nothing to solve the environmental problems that they're trying to address. It makes no sense to send production to other countries when we could be doing it here. Wyoming's energy has powered this nation for decades. So today, Wyoming and the Rocky Mountain West is under attack. Not surprisingly, fossil fuel companies have been equally critical. On August 16th, the American Petroleum Institute filed a lawsuit against the Biden administration claiming that the federal government is obligated to hold lease sales. But Weiss says these companies are crying wolf about the moratorium's impact. Anyone who says that this leasing pause has caused any effect to state economies is just simply full of it. There is, there is no evidence of that whatsoever. In fact, active drilling rigs increased in Wyoming over the past year, according to Gordon and the Casper Star Tribune. But a federal judge in Louisiana still ruled back in June that new oil and gas leasing must resume on public lands after a different lawsuit. The Department of the Interior has said it will appeal that ruling, but in the meantime, some public lands will officially go back up for sale starting this month. That is not a process where you can just snap your fingers and lease a couple hundred thousand acres tomorrow. And with how long these things usually take, it means the first possible oil and gas lease sales that we could see uh, could be coming up in the fourth quarter of this year. Weiss says he thinks it's possible that the Louisiana ruling could be reversed in court, 
But what's more important is a fundamental rethinking of the value of our public lands. We cannot treat uh, oil and gas development. We cannot treat mining as the primary desired use of our public lands. There are more important uses of them, including conservation, including hunting and fishing. A number of bills that would update the federal oil and gas leasing program are currently on the table before Congress. But one thing's for sure, according to Weiss, the fossil fuel industry hasn't shown that it's willing to compromise with politicians or advocacy organizations like his. Oil and gas CEOs are responsible to their shareholders and not to their kids and grandkids. Uh, we've seen no interest in actually uh, being responsible when it comes to, to fixing this system. So intense legal battles between Biden and fossil fuel companies are going to persist for months, possibly years to come. The Department of the Interior announced Thursday that it'll review its coal leasing program as well. However, the Biden administration has already said a pause on new coal leases previously put in place under Obama and then reversed under Trump won't happen on his watch. Will Walkie, K2L News. If you're just joining us, you're listening to Jackson Unpacked from KHOL. I'm News Director Kyle Mackey, and this is our weekly podcast featuring reporting and interviews on news, music, and culture in Jackson Hole and the Mountain West. New episodes of Jackson Unpacked drop every Friday on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Coming up next, a pilot program launched this summer has been training and paying local Latino high schoolers to lead camps around the valley with organizations like Coombs Outdoors and the Jackson Hole Children's Museum. The program also kicked off with place-based training by Grand Teton National Park and Teton Science Schools. KHOL Spanish language reporter Alicia Unger recently spoke with three participants of the program about their experience. I talked with Alicia about her reporting, and then we'll hear the full story in Spanish. Alicia, thank you so much for reporting this story. Can you tell us about the Rising Educators program? My pleasure. It was very fun to meet um, with these wonderful young people who is helping each other because the leader of the group is motivating other teenagers who um, want to explore what are the alternatives that they have for a career. And simultaneously, they have the opportunity to work, to learn, and to teach. And can you just remind us who the program is for? These are young Latino students, right, who are getting paid and they're getting trained in outdoor fields, like being a guide, right? Correct. They meet every week and they learn how they're going to be teaching the kids, how they're going to be interacting with them. And they learn um, how to be leaders. They learn safety tips because they go outdoors, they go camping, they meet in the museums. And it's very important that they pass all this knowledge to the little kids that are participants also. Can you tell me about some of the participants you met and what they said about being part of the program? Well, yes, I'm, uh, I met three young girls. And they're very excited. They have uh, high expectations. One of the things that it called my attention is that even though they, they have kind of different backgrounds, the three of them are first generation. 
in this country. Their parents are from Mexico, different towns, different cities. They all have goals, high goals. They want to go to the university, which that means that they'll be also the first ones in their family going to college, wow. which is a very touching. And, um, and they're open to work. They all have been working in the summers before. This is not their first job. They had worked in restaurants and offices, and, 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 and they said that if it's in an office, it's very stressful. If it's in a restaurant, it's very, you know, heavy, hard work. So they really appreciate this opportunity to be mentors, kind of. And the girls' names that I met, one is Julie Gonzalez, which is the leader of the whole group. And then I met Brittany Maldonado. She would like to study for pediatrics. And she find in this program a great opportunity to connect with kids because she's going to be interacting the rest of her life with kids. She told me that when she knew that this program was for her, it's because she knows that many of the kids, the Latin kids that are born here in, in, in Jackson, most of them, her parents have to work two or three jobs. So they don't, their parents don't have time to take the kids out to play. And these camps are very important for these little kids to be exposed to the outdoors. And that's why she thought this would be perfect for her. Aside from working with the kids, I wonder if you talked with any of them about how also working in the outdoors has impacted them. Yes, and actually Nayeli Hernandez, um, she's the one who told me that I have experience working before in another type of jobs where they're very stressful. And for the first time, she find out that this job is not only non zero stress, but she also feel happy coming to work, knowing that she is helping others. Okay, great. Well, thanks, Alicia. Is there anything else that folks should know about this program? Yes. Uh, well, this program is a, a, a pilot program. They don't know what is going to happen, the future that is going to bring. But if they see that people is interested in this type of program, they will do it again. So they're asking the community to reach out for them to know that this program is good to do it again. Great. Okay. Well, to listeners, you can find more about the program at our website, 891khol.org. Thanks again, Alicia. And let's take the listener to your full story in Spanish. Thank you very much. And I hope you like it. Enjoy it. KHOL, Noticias en Español. Los saluda Alicia Anger. El sonido del éxito, sinónimo de celebración, logros alcanzados. Justo lo que un grupo de jóvenes festejan al concluir el programa Rising Educators del Parque Nacional Grand Teton. Este programa de Rising Educator salió de una necesidad de la comunidad de Jackson Hole a darle oportunidades a los jóvenes de high school que identifican como latinos. Oportunidades que según Julie González, una de las guías del programa, tiene como propósito el entrenar a los jóvenes estudiantes para ser líderes educadores en el futuro. Encontrar trabajos durante el verano que no nada más les paguen, pero que también les enseñen 
sobre liderazgo, comunicación, trabajar en equipo y explorar diferentes carreras. Carreras como la que le tocó a Saray Roldán en este programa piloto, brindando sus servicios en el Museo Infantil de Jackson Hall, ubicado en el corazón del pueblo. Soy consejera de campamento de verano, pero yo creo que se imaginan que debo estar trabajando atrás de un escritorio o haciendo cosas como papeleo. No, es literalmente casi lo opuesto. Estás allá afuera, estás jugando con los niños, estás haciendo juegos, estás haciendo planaciones de actividades. O sea, es muy, muy diferente a lo que te imaginas. Actividades pedagógicas que van desde la teoría hasta la práctica de una forma muy divertida. Las habilidades que los jóvenes aprenden en estas sesiones, explica González, benefician mucho a los pequeños que no siempre pueden identificarse con los instructores. Hay ciertas barreras como la de la cultura, el idioma, que, que uno batalla para poder seguir conectando con esa comunidad. Conexión, asegura González, es la meta de las múltiples organizaciones que formaron parte de este programa piloto. Salió en colaboración con varias organizaciones, incluyendo el Parque Nacional de Grand Teton, Coombs Outdoors, Teton Science School, the Jackson Hole Children Museum y the Teton County Parks and Rec. Todos ellos trabajaron juntos. Unión del proyecto que fue percibida por Nayeli Hernández López, quien detectó una gran oportunidad en el programa. Me gustó mucho poder trabajar con niños y estar afuera al mismo tiempo, porque siento que en años pasados que he trabajado, siempre estoy adentro y como que todo te estresa y es difícil. Y aquí no se sentía como un trabajo. Yo estaba emocionada para el siguiente día, ir al lago. Estrés que, según González, suele ser común en esta sociedad. Como ellos son latinos, tienen papás latinos uh, viviendo en un lugar como Jackson, donde a veces uno se siente solo. Esa soledad que pudieran estar pasando algunos niños de nuestra comunidad fue lo que, según Britney Maldonado, otra de las participantes, la motivó a tomar acción. Los niños no pueden ir afuera a hacer cosas divertidas porque a veces sus papás están, en, están trabajando bien tarde y no tienen esa oportunidad para salir y hacer cosas divertidas. Lo mejor de todo, indica González, es que para participar en el programa Racing for Educators no se necesita experiencia previa. Lo único que se necesita es ser latino, ser estudiante de la high school, tener más de 16 años y las ganas de aprender. No necesitan saber cómo ser instructores o tener experiencia trabajando con niños. Nosotros les enseñamos todo, todo eso solo con, con las ganas de querer estar aquí y, y aprender. Los talleres se llevaron cada 15 días en el Parque Miller. Uno de los talleres, por ejemplo, que tuvimos este verano fue con miembros de la comunidad que también son latinos y a través de sus trabajos ayudan a apoyar a la comunidad. Y los requisitos, según Hernández, no fueron nada difíciles. Uh, no, hicimos una aplicación al fin del año escolar y creo que pidieron dos cartas de recomendación y ellos hicieron ese proceso. Um, y después tuvimos una entrevista con dos personas del programa y ya después nos ayudaron. González sugiere visitar la página de Internet para más información sobre este y otros programas. Alicia Anger. 
KHOL, Noticias en Español. Now for the weekly news roundup. Here are the headlines you might have missed this week. The Teton County Health Department announced Thursday that it is adjusting its COVID-19 risk level system to align with the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. That change bumps the county into the red or high risk level for virus transmission. Rachel Wheeler is public health response coordinator for the county, and she says there are both similarities and differences to where we are now compared to earlier in the pandemic. Currently, we are looking at similar COVID levels to last November. We do have vaccinations, um, which is great, and we know the preventative measures that work. Um, the other thing that is different now than before is, unfortunately, the Delta variant. It is much more infectious. As of Thursday, the county's two-week positivity rate for COVID tests is 5.5%. 192 new cases have been reported in that same period. To combat the spread, Wheeler says the county will follow CDC guidance, which now recommends wearing a mask indoors, regardless of vaccination status, in areas of high transmission. KHOL asked whether that means a new local mask mandate is coming. So at this time, um, there is no health order that has been um, submitted. It's possible that that could change, but at this time, no, there is no health order. Wheeler also reminds the public that while breakthrough infections among vaccinated people have been reported, the vaccines are doing a very good job reducing hospitalizations and deaths. Wyoming Congresswoman Liz Cheney introduced a bill Tuesday that would protect private landowners from Joe Biden's America the Beautiful Act. Also known as the 30 by 30 initiative, the president's conservation plan aims to preserve 30 percent of U.S. lands and waters by the end of the decade. But Cowboy State Governor Mark Gordon said in a press conference Monday that he doesn't necessarily support this effort. Wyoming has no use for a federal land grab, and we are very suspicious about the word conservation. Sometimes it can sound a lot like taking private property rights, and that is something that Wyoming will never accept. Cheney's bill would provide assurances to landowners, saying they wouldn't have to sell their land to the federal government in the name of conservation. But it would also essentially void all recommendations in 30 by 30 and allow for states to reject any recommendations from the presidential administration. It's unclear how much support Cheney's bill currently has in Congress. If the traffic and packed trailheads didn't tip you off, Grand Teton National Park confirmed Monday that the park broke records again in a big way last month. So statistics at Grand Teton National Park indicate that July of this year, July 2021, had the highest number of recreation visits on record for any single month in park history. Denise Germain is public affairs officer for the park. She says the number of visitors last month was up nearly 10 percent compared to July 2020. In light of the stress those numbers put on the park in Teton County, KHOL asked your man whether the park is considering moving to a reservation system, as some advocates have argued for during the pandemic. We're trying to understand our visitor a little bit better. So through a variety of studies and collection of data this summer, 
Hopefully we'll put together some information that will help to make informed decisions. But at this point, all we're doing is looking at our visitor and, and looking, you know, where they go, how they travel through the park, where they're coming from, what the demographics are, what their expectations are when they come to the park. Specific sites being studied this summer include Coulter Bay and the Taggart and Lupine Meadow trailheads. That's it for today on Jackson Unpacked. Original music for the show is by the local band Strumbucket. Subscribe now to Jackson Unpacked on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And please remember to leave a rating for the show in Apple Podcasts in order to help us spread the word. I'm Kyle Mackey, and this is KHOL Jackson.